Welcome back to Education Matters New York. I'm your host, Wayne Ackles, and I hope you had a wonderful week. I am recording this on a Friday afternoon, and today's section is going to be a listen, watch, read session in which I share some reading that you may want to pick up either for the the remainder of the summer, or you may want to save it or kind of pick at it over the course of the coming year or vacations, etc. And I guess I would describe the three books that I'm going to recommend, two as leadership books, and one is a reading on how, um, I guess for lack of a better word, the history of New York and the politics of New York uh, shape the the way that things are done even today. And I'm trying to tease this, but uh, hopefully that will uh, encourage you to uh, listen up for the for the full episode. So the first book I would recommend, and let me just say quickly that when I these first two books that I'm considering leadership books, I'm not a big fan of the Stephen Covey type leadership books. I, I think that they have their place, and there's something that you can be that can be learned from them. But I've often found that by reading uh, about people that have been in leadership positions, the things they've done right, the things they've done wrong, when they've miscalculated, when they've gotten it right, all those things, uh, I have a tendency to find that those things shape me as much, um, and maybe more so than some of the leadership guru material that's out there. And that's not a knock on those. I think those books have a place. And I've learned from books like Covey and others in terms of what they can offer in terms of leadership. But I think sometimes also when you look at the totality of someone in a leadership role and understanding their position in that role and what they were faced with, how they face those challenges, uh, can be very instructive, especially for those of us that are in leadership roles, uh, either in administration or in, in, in other facets. So the first book I would recommend is one that I'm making my way through now. It's fairly recent. Of course, for me, fairly recent is within the last three years. Um, it's called Gatekeepers, and it's by Chris Ripple. Whipple, excuse me. And he is a reporter, I believe, for the Washington Post as his main gig. But this book is fascinating because the author takes a look at the chief of staffs for presidents uh, going back from Nixon all the way through Obama and characterizes their leadership styles and how they face the different crises that were presented to them during the course of the presidency and how those presidencies were shaped by those chiefs of staff. And one of the things as I was prepping for today's episode that struck me in thinking about these chiefs of staff uh, and this book, and, and I think the reason that it appealed to me is that the chief of staff has a tremendous uh, role in shaping how a president's outcome in terms of getting legislative agenda done, uh, in terms of managing the press, uh, managing Congress, all of those things. And it struck me that the chief of staff's role is similar to that of, uh, I would say, the, the principal and his, his or her superintendent. And what I mean by that is the superintendent has the final say in so many things, from budget 
to other policy decisions that go before the board and really kind of plays that executive role that, you know, the principal sometimes is often that leader, that executive leader that is helping to get policy implemented at a building level, for instance. And that just kind of struck me uh, as I was prepping for this and thought I'd share that with you. But some of the things that you can pick up from this, and again, I'm going to try not to give too much away on any one of these books because they're definitely all going to be worth the read. And I, I want you to form your own opinions and and draw your own lessons. But some couple quick lessons from this book that stuck out to me. One was on the lessons on access. And one of the things that I think uh, it's easy to make as uh, a mistake in any leadership role is wanting to give access to the leader, whether, again, it's a building principal, a superintendent, etc. And one of the things that they make very clear is that balance between access to the president and uh, access being denied, if you will, or I guess not if you will, but uh, access being denied so that the president really can focus on the things that the president needs to focus on. It it really is fascinating in terms of denying that access probably as much as it is granting it because there are definitely certain personality traits that emerge that it's clear there is uh, a set of traits, and I, and I won't give it away. I think it's worth the read and, and understanding. Uh, some of them are pretty obvious in terms of organization, but there have been a lot of chiefs of staffs. Um, organization, I think, helps anyone in a position of leadership. But there are other personality traits that emerge that uh, are much more tailored to that job. And I think those of us that have been uh, building leaders or even district-wide leaders, uh, you know what those traits are, and you'll recognize some of them during the course of this. Also, it's um, uh, one of the, the things that I think is an interesting case study within this is the role of the chief of staff in terms of sharing bad news with the president or telling the president things that the president doesn't want to hear. And I think that's an important trait. And in my interview last week with David Dunn, one of the things we talked a little bit about is, you know, who are the people that you listen to? And as I said last week, I always had at least two or three people that I really trusted that would give me the straight dope on the pulse of the building. And when you wall yourself off from bad news, you open yourself up for trouble. And that's something that uh, becomes very clear in a number of these stories around these chiefs of staffs, and it often happens early in presidencies. But uh, again, I don't want to take too much away from this particular story because I think it's it's worth the read. Uh, some fascinating stories, some of which I had, I had heard in other accounts before, but there are some new things here that uh, are really, like I said, fascinating. The other book that I would recommend is one that's called Shake Hands with the Devil by a gentleman named Romeo Dallaire, who was the 
force commander with UN forces in Rwanda from 1993 through 1994. This is another fascinating book. And this was a book that I would read when I would have a particularly bad day. I would often find myself uh, reading sections of this because I figured that as bad as any day I was having was not anywhere near as bad as the days that the commander, Dallaire, faced when he was on that with that task force in Rwanda. Uh, if you've seen the movie Hotel Rwanda, uh, the Nick Nolte character is loosely based on on him in the movie. I got to see Romeo Dallaire speak at a presentation at uh, Monroe Community College. Gosh, it would have to be 15 plus years ago, maybe even 20 years ago now, uh, when I was still teaching a Holocaust and genocide course. And it's still one of the most uh, moving speeches I've seen um, in terms of his experiences there. And the thing to take away that I took away from this book in particular is what I said earlier is that, especially in your role as a school leader, you're probably not going to face anything as harrowing as Romeo Dallaire does. But also watching his skill and trying, you know, before the conflict breaks out, you know, the different things he was trying to do and keeping the conflict from escalating and just some of the frustrations he had dealing with the bureaucracy. And and it, it's a fascinating read. His story as a young, uh, a young person growing up in the Quebec province uh, really is insightful for those that I've always been interested in Canadian history. I wish I knew it better and understood it better. I actually understand it a lot better than I did before reading this book um, as he talks about his past growing up uh, as a French speaker in Quebec and that animosity that exists between the Quebec, uh, the French speakers in, in Canada, and the English-speaking majority. So that's Shake Hands with the Devil, Romeo Dallaire. Uh, really um, fascinating if you get a chance to read it. Now, the last one is a very... I picked this one because I think oftentimes those of us in education are frustrated by the feeling that is as well-funded as our schools are. And compared to other states, New York does a phenomenal job of funding schools, paying teachers, upgrading schools. It's not perfect. I know that many of the big five school districts often have trouble because of some of the challenges that they're facing with funding and and the need that's there. And this book gives you a bit of an understanding as to why some of that funding and some of the political background um, has put us in this spot. And that, that book is called The Power Broker by Robert Caro. Caro is probably more known for a series of books he wrote on Lyndon Johnson. And, and Caro is um, a tremendous historian, does fantastic research, it's got a very clean and clear writing style. It's, it can be dense because he has a tendency to put a lot into what he's writing. But um, definitely something, Power Broker is one that I rec would recommend in terms of understanding New York, its politics, 
especially as it comes to infrastructure. And I'll, and I'll get to that in a minute. To, I gave a movie reference to the last book there, uh, Hotel Rwanda with Romeo Dallaire. For The Power Broker, the movie reference is actually fairly recent. It came out in uh, 2019, and that is Motherless Brooklyn. And for those of you that saw it, the Alec Baldwin character, he is representing, it's a loose representation of the main person in The Power Broker, and that is Robert Moses. Now, those of you that live in western New York, if you've driven near Niagara Falls and you've been on the Robert Moses Parkway, it is that Robert Moses that we're talking about. And what this book does is really takes you through an arc of this gentleman's life. Uh, Robert was from downstate in uh, the New York City region. He came from a fairly wealthy background and became an idealistic crusader. But eventually, that idealism takes kind of a dark turn from someone that was really fighting to make change for common people to something where it became where he was inheriting and gaining power from his actions. And it's, again, it's fascinating in terms of watching him turn from this idealist to someone that really holds incredible power. And just to give you a sense, and this was something that until I read this, I didn't really fully appreciate that this gentleman essentially ran New York state politics from around the 1930s into the late 1960s. And he had no elected title. He was never elected to any office. But when it came to the ultimate say, especially with projects downstate around New York City. But again, some of the projects uh, were beyond that in terms of uh, upstate with certain parks and infrastructure that I'll talk about more here in a minute. He was the, the power broker within New York State when it came to getting infrastructure, big infrastructure projects done throughout the state. And Never had an elected office. And it's fascinating just as you read this to see how he held on to that and really essentially held governors hostage for over 30 years here in New York State. And so, as I, I mentioned earlier, you know, his impact on infrastructure across the state is really the heart of his power and the awarding of the contracts for construction companies and subcontractors to build and uh, the awarding of, you know, with concrete companies and all of these things. But the planning and what he would approve and not approve has shaped many of the, uh, especially in the New York City region, how roads were laid out, how neighborhoods were cut in half. And really it became the kind of the beginning of the end of some of the most diverse neighborhoods in New York City that were cohesive. And some people point to these infrastructure projects that brought highways, et cetera, through that destroyed these neighborhoods as the beginning of the end of, you know, the New York City that was prior to, say, the 60s and what emerged after the 60s. And as you look across the state, 
you can see the impact. And it struck me because as someone that has driven a great deal here in western New York uh, on the Lake Ontario Parkway, uh, I wondered for years, I said, wow, those bridges, those bridges are very low. I always wondered, I, I thought that's kind of a an odd choice because you can have no semis, no tour buses. The Lake, on, Lake, uh, Lake Ontario State Parkway is a, a great way. It's scenic and it's convenient in terms of if you're trying to get from Rochester to Buffalo, it's another way to go. And if depending on where you're trying to get. One of the things I learned from the power broker is that Robert Moses had this affinity for driving. He really thought the car would always be the future and the heart, if you will, of American leisure. He created these parkways for people to drive and to take in nature via their car. And with that in mind, he had very strict ideas as to how that should look. And one of those ideas is the height of those bridges. Now, by doing that, by having those bridges restricted to a certain height and restricting truck and other traffic, that hamstrings how you can direct traffic, where traffic can be routed. What this, One of the things that the book does a great job of pointing out is that the studies existed as early as the 1950s into the 60s that we couldn't continue to just build roads to, to handle the car traffic that we had as a growing nation. And the studies were there. But because Robert Moses held such sway, he continued to build those roads even though those roads and highways and bridges continued to just be congested with cars. And it really gives you an idea of why it's so difficult. And now, just now, it's now 2022, you're seeing different entities. Syracuse is talking about doing some things with Route 81. You've heard some other talk in the uh, Rochester area, for instance, about closing the inner loop or sections of the inner loop. Well, part of that is based on trying to undo some of this infrastructure work that happened that, again, cut neighborhoods off from each other. And when you see the impact and the role that money and power and connection, etc., it really gives you an understanding of how the, the power base, if you will, and how the infrastructure that we have that, and here in New York State came about. So those are my three recommendations. Uh, I hope you enjoy them. Again, The Gatekeepers by Chris Whipple, Shake Hands with the Devil by Romeo Dallaire, and finally The Power Broker by Robert Carroll. I don't know if I would consider them beach reads, but if you're interested in, in trying to find out a little bit more about leadership and the power and infrastructure here in New York State, uh, they are definitely very interesting reads for sure. Uh, and if you get a chance, get on the website and Education Matters New York and uh, give me some of your reads that uh, you might be reading. Um, I would love to share some of those uh, as well. And uh, so we'll wrap it up here for this week's episode. This has been Education Matters New York. I'm your host, Wayne Ackles, and this is a Fat Wolverine Productions. 
Take care and have a great rest of the week. Thank you.